For those of you just coming into the Awaken weekend, I want to catch you up. And for those of you who've been here on Friday and Saturday night, again, I want to say thank you. In the American culture, for us to give up weekend nights, that is a big deal. For those of you who came last night, I prayed a special blessing upon you if you were here both nights because you came of your own free will and had to listen to my nasally high-pitched voice And I think that you either need therapy or God might really be involved in this thing. I signed up for this ministry when I read that verse, God uses the weak things of this world to confound the wise. And I went, weak things, I'm here. I've got that box checked. Friday night we started out talking about a lady who is an employee of one of my clients up in Louisville, Kentucky. Her name is Megan. She is a sweet, gentle smile, kind-hearted kind of lady who was madly in love with her husband, still is madly in love with her husband, but says they're two different men. Same guy, but after he was T-boned by a drunk driver, uh, his mental capacities changed. He no longer has short-term memory. His personality was impacted. She says he's not the same guy that he used to be. She has walked out her love for him. One of the ways she loves him is she grabs his smartphone each morning and puts about three dozen or so alarms in his phone that he might remember what it is that he's supposed to do that day. She is his primary caregiver. I I thought of that story as we were putting together this weekend, that word kept coming up, awakened. We need to be alerted to the reality of truth. You see, we're not really here to be exposed to deeper truths. Truth is just truth. We need to be awakened to a greater understanding, a greater comprehension. A lot of the things we already know. I haven't come in here with the idea of opening up some secret passage found in the New Testament or some obscure passage in the Old Testament that's going to revolutionize your life. It's just human nature that we get distracted, that we doze off. And like Megan's husband, spiritually, I'm disabled. I shared with you Friday night, I've got a spiritual disability. I'm just messed up in the head. Praise Jesus He is working that out in me by his grace, which is always enough. And to his credit and to his glory, because it's not about me, it's about him. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not about you. Don't enjoy it so much. You guys really enjoy y'all like it. Well, it's not about you, Jack. Okay, well, whatever. Y'all got into it. I love it. I love it. You're my kind of people. Well, we started Friday night with the very first alarm that applies to everybody. It's a foundational, basic alarm. And that is, we need to continually remind ourselves to make a big deal of the gospel. Well, yeah, that's awesome, by the way. Like, well, you're a teacher. Like some, some people are like, oh, what have you remembered? No, I, what have you remembered? Haddon Robinson, a preacher I respect very much, was interviewed. And he said, does it ever, uh, the interviewer said, does it ever bother you that while you're expounding the truths of God, people sleep? And at that point, I was young in the ministry, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, it bothers me. I'm expounding the truths of God. Had Robinson very wisely said, no, it doesn't bother me at all. Here's what bothers me. That somebody in the audience might be ordering their lives 
according to the words coming out of my mouth. Boy, did I need to hear that. If just one of you gets that one thing this whole weekend, it's been more than a success. That the gospel is a big deal. And we said last night, if to you the gospel is just old hat, yeah, yeah, I get it, blah, 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 gospel, good stuff, that kind of thing, bye. Uh, then we might want to pray and ask the Lord to help us understand why the gospel is so important and how it, how it impacts every little compartment of our lives. For bonus points. There is a one-stop shop reference that I can go to. Remember we said if the gospel has a road, it's in Romans. But if it has a one-stop shop department store, it was written by the Apostle Paul, and it's the same number repeated with a hyphen in the middle. I've given you every cue I can give you up to this point. It would be cheating for me to say anymore. Can anybody who's not my daughter or wife, can anybody, and who's not pastors, yes, or me, got it. Uh, can anybody give me the book, just the book? Boom, 1 Corinthians, double coupon day. Can you give me the chapter? Oh, you got it now. And the verses are 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5. We said that's where you find the gospel spelled out. And we also talked about baseball that night. And we rounded the bases. Now, my heart was encouraged. And the older I get, the more impressed I am. It's just, wow. The spiritual battle that's raging around us for somebody to actually say, I'm going to take this and I'm going to do it. That's, that's huge. Huge. One of your youth you could be proud of, walked up to me, proud of in Christ, not proud of in him, because Christ is the one doing the work in, in his life. And he said, yesterday, I walked up to a guy and asked him if he'd give me directions. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And remember, we said that's two hurdles he had to cross because he's a man asking for directions. <laughs> and number two, he's a Christian about to share the gospel. When we said that you could use the three bases and home plate of baseball Base number one is I am a sinner. Base number two is I can't save myself. Number three is real simple. It's two questions that are answered at base three. If I can't save myself, who can and why? Who can save me and why? Because he's a windshield wiper. Y'all remember that, don't you? Because he died on the cross, was buried, and rose again victorious over sin, hell, and death. Now, when you're on third base, you're so close to home, you can taste it. And if you've ever competed in baseball, you know that to be on third base, boy, you're nervous. Because you've, you've made it, you're almost there, and your third base coach, he's all like wound up, and he says, listen to me. <laughs> but the athlete's a star in his own mind, and he can figure out on his own, and out, right? And we said there's a, I don't even know how far it is, I'm sure Brother Stan knows how far it is from third base to home plate. Uh, that's just an inside joke between the two of us, and if you take me to lunch, I'll share it with you. So anyway, but we, we said there's 18 inches uh, between heaven and hell because it's not enough just that you know you're a sinner, can't save yourself. Jesus died, uh, buried, rose again the third day, victorious over sin, hell, and death. That's not enough. It's got to move. And when I say hard, I don't mean emotions. You don't have to have, oh, I had an emotional experience, okay? That could be a real good Hollywood movie. It's that I've put my faith and my trust in the completed work of Jesus Christ. I've decided to hitch my wagon to Jesus and where He drives, I will go. Many times I picture uh, water ski. Anybody in here can water ski? Is there anybody in here who can water ski? Anybody ever have water ski? Okay. Anybody attempted water skiing? 
Okay, all right. And, and I know what happened to you because it happened to me too. I never got fully up out of... Uh, but, but how many of you... Let's, let's, let's bring it really... Uh, this is Because this is where all my experience is. Anybody we water ski re-resort? You know what I'm talking about? We water ski? You got the little thing and you're... Okay, well anyway, it's a digital game. And what I, I, was, I was playing a game one day and I, sometimes I think yeah, the Holy Spirit is brilliant. I don't give Him much to work with. But he takes these little dingy-do things that I do, and he says, hey, I'm going to bring some spiritual application to you. I'm sitting there on Wii Resort skiing, one-handed. And I realize that my skier can go left, can go right, can even jump and do tricks and come back down. But he always has to go, no matter if he goes right or left, he will always end up where that boat goes. And God said, I got this. See, Colin, there are times when I give you freedom to go left. And there are times when I give you freedom to go right. And there are times where I give freedom for you to face plant. But guess what? I'm in charge of the boat. There is great security in that. So we said that home plate is putting your faith and trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Last night, we set our second alarm. And again, it's a foundational alarm. It applies to everybody. Regularly, you should check yourself. Am I saved? Now, I don't want to place doubt unduly on you. I, I hold fast to the doctrine, once saved, always saved. I try to communicate it this way, if saved, always saved. Because our accuser, our enemy, he's called the accuser of the brethren, he loves to implement his plan two ways. He loves to convince Christians they're not saved. And therefore make them powerless. They're not walking in the power of the gospel. And he loves to convince non-Christians they are saved. Well, you had this experience at BBS. And because of that experience. and I can't tell you. I, I don't know. I've got one person in this room whose salvation of which I'm sure. And it's my own. And it's not because of anything I've done or haven't done. It's not good works versus bad works. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ. And I'm trusting him plus nothing. And that's what's got my uh, me going to heaven. The second alarm you should check very regularly is your calling in Christ. God has given each one of us a special calling. You want more information on that? Download last night's sermon. Listen to it. Not because it's me, but just because God's word reveals to us that each one of us has a specific calling, a specific function for the building up of the body of Christ. This is where we go custom. This morning's alarm Tonight's alarm, I believe God hand-selected for Northside Bible Church. This is where I, I could take those first two sermons and go to XYZ Church anywhere on the, on the planet and say, you should be sure of your salvation, you should be sure of your calling, and then points 3, 4, all the way up to 42. Remember, I've told you, if you need me to do a revival here that's 42 days long, I've got 42 alarms we can go through. That wasn't a joke. I love that. That's the alarm. That's alarm number three. Here we go. Actually, let's just take some time and, and commit the rest of our of our time to the Lord. Lord, we we ask that as we open up your message for this morning, we recognize you're sovereign. You've picked each one of these people to be in each one of these. They're even sitting where you want them to sit. And I know that our enemy is active and at work with distractions. 
He would love nothing more than to interrupt this process. But Father, we recognize greater are you who are in us than that one who is in the world. We don't want to go picking a fight with a bully who's stronger than us. But if he threatens us, we will not back down. For though we in and of ourselves are feeble and frail and only capable of wandering in and of ourselves, we recognize that before a thief can enter a house, he must first bind the strong man and you can't be bound. So we commit our time to you in the name of Jesus Christ. If you agree with me, say amen. Okay, amen. Cease fire. Lay down your weapons. You're outgunned. Your ammunition is limited. You are surrounded. Give up. Yield. Have you ever thought about the fact that since you were born, you have been fighting the same enemy. You are his creation. He is your creator. He said, but, but Brother Colin, I'm redeemed. Oh, and as a redeemed man or a redeemed woman, you've never picked those guns back up and said, my way, not yours be done. Because if so, could you teach me how to live that out? I find myself regularly picking up my hostility and saying, God, how could you fill in the blank? I don't know you guys. I don't know the specifics of your lives. Yet God has impressed upon me, not through special revelation, but in a very powerful, real way, that Northside Bible Church is in pain. You ever been in a cosmic mercy struggle with God? And you've determined that you're not going to say mercy. You're not going to say uncle. And he's saying, how far back do I have to bend your hands before you will break? Cease fire. And recognize that if you make an enemy of me, <laughs> you've lost before the battle's begun. Yet in our arrogance, we have a tendency at times to pick up our weapons and say, God, how dare you? By the way, if you're there, it's not my role this morning to bring condemnation and shame upon you. I want to say you're in good company. The man after God's own heart. I kind of point to Pastor Stan because I've seen his heart. If you've seen his heart, you know why I'd compare him to King David. Now, he's not all that great, and I'll, I'll humiliate him later so that he's not too puffed up. But I see a heart that beats for Christ, amen? And he has, I've heard from some of you, that he's referenced me as a, as a pastoral resource in his life. <laughs> it's funny to me because Pastor Stan's one of my pastors. The girls know not to come down to the basement when I'm talking to Pastor Stan because it's gotten real. And we're talking about, I just need to, I need to throw all these facts on the desk and, and get them through your grid. And he'll hold my feet to the fire. But not in a way where he lords it over you. King David wrote a hymn for the Old Testament saints. Excuse me, a praise chorus for the Old Testament saints that said this. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? 
day and night. My enemies are poking me in the eye and going, where is your God? The implication is, I got nothing. Yeah, there was a time when I was going up against Goliath. And the king of Israel said, why should I send you into battle? And I said, I got a lion and I got a bear. I got a resume. God works through me. Now my enemies are pursuing me. And I'm at the, I'm at the leader of Gath. The same uh, nation that we were working against with Goliath. And I've got spittle yeah, spit in my beard. And I'm acting like a crazy man trying to save my life. Because when my enemies are saying, how's your God going to deliver you from this one? And the answer is, I don't know. Your hostility is misplaced. My hostility is misplaced. He loves us. You guys have been so kind to put us up in a little condo, uh, a stone's throw. I told you if I push my daughter too hard off the balcony, she lands in water. I love that. We're going to try that a little later. This morning I sat troubled, burdened, crying out to the Lord over some things in my world right now. Not personally my world, but connected to people. Just taking that heavy-heartedness to Him. <laughs> the Holy Spirit reminded me of this morning's message and how relevant it is to where we all are. And then all of a sudden I noticed, whoosh, And I thought to myself, if God were speaking to me His love, it would be comparable to those waves. Then I was reminded of this game Claudia and I used to play with each other. Not where's the, wherever your Claudia is. Not we never played. Yeah, Claudia, we never played this. Game. But my Claudia, uh, we're, and I would leave on a business trip. I'd say I love you, and she'd say I love you, and I'd say I love you, and she'd say I love you. I'd say I love you, and she'd say I love you, and I'd say I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And we play this game to see who could say I love you faster. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're both just, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And God just reminded me of that. And he said, I'm you and you're her. But here's the difference. At some point, you both had to fall asleep. And all night long, I've been going, I love you. I love you. And I love that double wave. I don't know how he does that, but it's like, I love you, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And right now, on that beach outside of our condo, it's still going. And that's his love. It's still going. It's going to continually remind me over and over again at 3 a.m. when I wake up troubled, all I have to do is open that sliding glass door and there's another wave and another wave. And sometimes the waves are bigger and sometimes they're smaller, but they are always there. God loves you. He can't help but love you. You bear His image. You are beautiful. Awkward or not, you're beautiful. Not because of you, but because of Christ in you. The redeemed image bearer of God that you are, He can't help but say, I, to my own glory and credit, love you. And I love you. And I love you. And if you were the only one on the planet through all of history, my son would have died for you. And for you. 
and for you, and for you, 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 you. I'm sorry, but that's just cool. And there are times in my life when I need to hear over and over and over, cease fire. Put your gun down. Turn to Psalm chapter 46. Psalm 46. I don't know where to where to put this, so this is just free bonus material from the director's cut edition. Psalm 46 is a single psalm, so we don't put an S there. It's like, in my, and I don't know what you guys do down here in Mobile, but uh, my, my culture up in Middle Tennessee, they put an S on Walmart, and then they put the article the in front of it. I'm going to the Walmarts. Okay? That's alarm four. The Walmarts, and I just kind of go, like every time I hear that, I go, ugh. Right? Ugh. So just remember Psalm 23, but if you're talking about two Psalms, it'd be Psalms 23 and 24. Just, just a little help there. Uh, kind of keep you a you know, little tidbit trivia, fun thing there for it. Okay, look, 46. Here we are, Psalm 46. Think of the word refuge. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, he's our refuge and our strength through creation, culture, and conflict. And that's weaved all throughout the psalm. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though mountains quake at its swelling pride. Catastrophe in creation could happen. He's talking about hurricanes, earthquakes, tidal waves. None of this makes God fret. Oh no, what am I going to do? Verse 4, There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised His voice and the earth melted. Any of you have parents who raised their voice? They raised their voice at us and we changed, right? That fixed us. They never had to raise their voice at us more than once about the same issue. That's how powerful our parents weren't. My dad would raise his voice and say a phrase. I I don't know, they don't go to dad school, but somehow they all know how to say, how many times am I going to have to tell you? The smart aleck inside wanted to say 13,412. And I would have deserved it, too. You guys are all like, yeah, you would have, right? Okay. God raises His voice and nations melt. You see, it only happens once because they're dead. (laughs) And hopefully the other nations will learn, guess what? We haven't. Like, we had a really good start, and why we're still here today as a nation is beyond me as I study Scripture. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. And I love this phrase. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Now, understand that the Jewish reader of this psalm would catch all of the implications that phrase is pregnant with. You see, if if he would have said the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that would have meant one thing. If he would have said the God of Abraham, that would have meant another thing. If he would have said 
If he'd have stayed with the same person, but the renaming of that same person, it would have meant something else. If he would have said the God of Israel, that would have been even... By the way, if you're Jacob, put yourself in Jacob's shoes, you didn't want to be called Jacob anymore. Once you got the name Israel, uh -uh, uh-uh, I'm going to open-handed slap you, you call me Jacob again. Because, and I'm sorry for all of you in here named Jacob, and I don't know why... Uh, I have a friend who knows all of this, and he still named his son Jacob. I wanted to kick him in the shins with the love of Christ in my heart. Uh, in Hebrew, <laughs> the name Jacob means trickster, troublemaker. He's a wheeler and dealer. And if you go back through the history of Jacob, and you remember that he fell in love with Rachel. Ooh, la, la. And then he works off seven year debt so that he can marry her, wakes up on his, after his wedding night and goes, ho, ho, ho. Cause he had Leah. And you know what they said about Leah? It is in the Bible. I, I want to meet Leah and just say, I'm sorry. When we get to eternity, I'm sorry, Leah. That's just, that's just a shame. You know what it says about her? She was weak in the eyes. And you, in our American culture, we go, what does that mean? That means ugly. It's the same thing it means when we in the southern culture go, bless her heart. And she'd be a good wife, but, but bless her heart. And then you meet her and go, oh, yeah, bless her heart. Or, or you might try to hook her up with somebody and say she's got a nice. Oh, it's a kiss of death, isn't it? I don't want any woman with a nice personality, right? We don't lead with that, okay? Uh, so she was weak in the eyes and he ends up working off another seven year debt. Uh, but it says in that in that trick that happened between Uncle Laban and Jacob that Uncle Laban and in the Hebrew, I love this the way it's phrased. It's so cool. Uncle Laban out Jacobed Jacob. You see, so it wasn't like my name colon comes from Nicholas, which means victorious one, and none of you care, right? <laughs> Colon's getting up to speak. Y'all go. Do I go with a grammar joke or an inappropriate crude joke? Colon means victorious one. No, it wasn't like she named him Jacob and that came from, you know, that came from trickster. She actually, it would be like if I said, my name is victorious one and I'll be speaking to you today. His name was trickster. So the God of Jacob is our stronghold. If he can manage Jacob, he can manage me. Do you believe that? Say that to your neighbor. If he can manage Jacob, he can manage me. If he can manage Jacob, he can manage me. Amen. I just love this passage. Well, then he says, come, behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease in the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear. Uh, and then he burns the chariots. He burns them with fire. Just remember, back in their day, they didn't have the military cool stuff we've got. So think of the biggest baddest military toys we've got at our disposal today. Think of uh, think of some of the, the air, air, like helicopters, airplanes, the fighter jets we've got. Think of those stealth, that black thing that looks like a, whatever that thing is, a stealth bomber. Uh, think of some of the land stuff we got with Humvees and some of the rocket launchers we got with, and they can locate you and just, and you're gone. And that's just, sorry, I just, my eyes hit you and you're so happy and smiling. I wanted to destroy you right there in the middle of the sermon. And so yeah, we got some really cool stuff. And what if, if this were contemporary, God would say, the best of what you've got, I can tear apart. It's no match. And then he says this very popular verse, see striving and know that I am God. 
I've heard this verse preached so many times to Christians. You know, cease be still and know that I am God. And I'm not saying that's a bad application, but it's an application. In the context here, he's talking to anyone who is an enemy of God. Quit fighting God. Literally, our third alarm, cease fire. Lay down your weapons and quit resisting. It's futile. God wins every time. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord, the hosts of with us, the God of Jacob, there it is again, is our stronghold. First of all, let's, let's go back up to verse 1 so that we can understand. I just explained 2 through 11. We're just going to look at verse 1 so that we can understand better that concept of refuge and strength. God is our refuge. Use your imagination with me. We're going to go on a trip. It's a fun trip. Let's just pretend for a moment that you became very angry with me. You as a congregation became angry with me. I don't know what I did. You, you just fill in that blank. So you pursue me, even as far as to the land of Cookville, Tennessee. And because you've got some pretty computer savvy folks in your congregation, you send out, you send out a special team of men to pursue me and to bring me back so that you can confront me. But I'm hiding. See, some of you may know where my house is. You might could find it with Google Maps. But here's what you don't know. In my basement, there is a hiding place that I have found that unless you knew I was home, you would give up looking before you ever found me. I've got a hiding place in my house. I even told my daughters where that hiding place is, and they went, ooh, I always wondered what was in that hole, in that cinder block wall. In the, oh, I just told on myself, so you'll be able to find me. Well, let's imagine that I do something and I become an enemy of the state. Let's say all 50 states. And the United States, with all of its resources and with all of its power, is looking for me. But for whatever reason, I've made really good friends with James Bond. And, and he flies me to London. And James Bond has a hiding place for me. The United States is going to have a hard time finding me. I mean, if I'm hidden by James Bond. Let's make it global. Let's say all the nations on all the planet have decided that I am the number one threat of humankind and every country is banding together to be anti-colon. And I've got one ally and his name is Jesus. And he's standing beside me and he goes, watch this. All of a sudden, we're flying like Superman and I'd be Lois. That was weird. I'll never say that again. And we're flying and we go through the atmosphere and we're in outer space. And he, Jesus looks over at me being all knowing. He knows, but he engages me as the frail human I am. He chuckles and he says, Colin, why are you holding your breath? And I'm like, because I can't breathe up in outer space. And I go, wait a minute. I can breathe. I'm in outer space. He goes, I'm Jesus. Yeah, you can breathe and you're in outer space. And he takes me to the moon and we land on the moon. And he does that thing he did back in the New Testament where he bends down and he draws in the moon dust. This is so cool. And he draws a line and a line and a line with a circle. And he grabs a circle like a doorknob and he opens up the moon. 
And we walk in together and he shuts the door and he's in there with me and, and we're playing bingo spades or something. We've got some kind of game we're playing because I love to play games. Maybe risk because we got time on our hands. Let's play some risk. Now, in your Hollywood cameraman, you know, it, it pans out to the moon and here's what happens. The line of the door automatically erases and it just looks like the moon again. The globe gets together and they send a team. Even if they know we're going to the moon, when they land, they can't find us because I'm in a stronghold. I am in a bulwark. I am in a fort that cannot be penetrated. God is my refuge. I can find protection in Him. And when He chooses to protect me, there's nobody on this planet. Created, physical, or spiritual, that can take me down. And the same is true for you. Isn't that great? So sometimes you might want to pray this prayer to be a warped prayer, but God will know. Holy Spirit will interpret. Lord, I need to, I need to hide in the moon. Is there room in there for Colin and me? Because when God protects you, He protects you. But it doesn't just say that He's our protector. It says also that He's our strength. I'm walking down the road and all of a sudden this visual pops into me and I think about my strength and my power. And what do I have? Just limited. What do you have? What are you capable of? Because some of you in this room may have said, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and I made it happen. Whatever the, whatever the it is that you made happen. And I thought, I guess because I had just brushed my teeth, but I had thought of my, my toothbrush at home. Now don't judge me because I don't have uh, one of those really cool, like I got some friends who have some really cool, I've just got like the double A battery uh, yeah, there on the left, I've got the double A battery just, and I like that. Just I go at that thing, you know. I just let it do the work. I just hold it in place. Now my friends, they look like dental hygienists. They came over from North Carolina, spent the night with us. They all pulled out like their three hundred dollar Oral B, you know. They're like water picks, which you've got that stuff. That's cool. And when you get done using that and buy a new one, send the old one to me. I'll, I'll brush my teeth with that. Maybe that'd be a step better. But I'm not talking about the really nice one. I'm talking about the two AA batteries jammed up in a toothbrush. That's the power I have in and of myself. And then I started thinking about, you know, I, I work with middle school students. So my brain went to uh, Avengers, Marvel. It went to Iron, Iron Man and Hulk and Captain America. And I thought, well, if, if you know, their power is so much greater than mine, even though they don't exist, just go there with me. We're on a trip, right? I'm creating the trip, and it's okay. I'll pay the consequences. So, so anyway, so we're we're. I'm thinking about. Oh, and some of you, any DC comic folks? We, we need to do Justice League. Do I need to mention Batman, Wonder Woman? Yeah, I've got some. Uh huh. And I've got some. Okay. Either way. So now they would be like the Transformer, not not that Transformer, but like the five gallon bucket on the side of the power pole that. The transformer, like that one. That's okay. So, so we're going from like that's that's would be the superpower. Now, on top of that, we have Jesus Christ. Let me just put this into perspective. If you've never been to the Hoover Dam, let me just tell you, it is an amazing piece of work. We got the Hoover Dam up there. Let's put the Hoover Dam. And then let's look at the generators. Now that, that dam and those generators, the transformers, go to the next one, the transformers that are hooked up to that dam. There's those transformers. That powers all of Vegas. 
All of the electricity comes from the Hoover Dam. So here I am. And then here's the Incredible Hulk. You know, me smashes. And then there's this. And that's Jesus. If I could hook up, like without dying, if I could hook up to the Transformers at the Hoover Dam, about that's the energy that I get through Jesus Christ. That is my power supply. It is unending. It never runs out and it never goes, you know, I just wish I could go for a few seconds longer. Jesus is sitting there and he's going, I just wonder how long it's going to be before my children understand that I've got every resource they could ever need. And we're so wrapped up in what the Joneses or the Smiths or, or the Givens have And we're trying to keep up with that rat race when we recognize the things that are important, the things to which He's called us, He will supply. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Larry, the cucumber, asked Bob the tomato, does that mean I can become a chicken? And Bob, being the theologian that I need in my life, said, no, it doesn't mean that you can do anything. It means that you can do anything God has called you to do. What is God calling you to do? What is it you need to surrender about? Jesus Christ was known to draw away to himself at times, to remove himself from the crowds. To get alone with the Father. I wish I could have been a fly on the on the stone, on the fig tree. I, just, I wonder what those intimate times look like. God the Son communing with God the Father. I believe that because the Psalms were written not just as worship hymns for the Old Testament, but I also believe they were prayer hymns. And that many times God the Son would pray and pour over those hymns. I also believe that he quoted his own model prayer. Uh, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now give us today, us, plural, not me, us. I'm praying for my community. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. There is a hymn that God has used in my life. It's not my favorite hymn. If you just said, Colin, what's your favorite hymn? It wouldn't be this one. Yet, it's a favored hymn because the Holy Spirit brings this tune. It's an earworm that gets into my head. It just kind of has this dark, pretty, quiet, soft, still. Now, it was written... Uh, I'm going I'm to murder this. Katarina... Amelia Dorothea von Schiegel. She's born around 1700. And uh, she, we don't know when she wrote it, but it was published for the first time around 1750. So, so she's 50 years old. Her hymn gets published in, of course, she wrote it in German. And it, and it existed for 100 years. Then all of a sudden, this um, Jane, Jane L. Borthwick from Scotland said, let's, let's make English out of this hymn and translated it. So now we got two different people working on this hymn. And a third guy, Jean Sibelius from Finland, 
uh, wrote the music for it, but he wasn't really writing the music for the hymn. He was writing music for an overture that was celebrating Finland coming into freedom out of an oppressive government. And he ended it with this kind of somber celebration. So he wanted to write a piece of music that was both happy, but yet also very dark at the same time. And then uh, somewhere around 1930, the Presbyterian hymnal, uh, we love the Presbyterians, they've given us this hymn, but for no other reason, we at least love them for that. I'm just kidding. Uh, So, but around 1930, now 1930, I'm not a historian, but I do know what was going on in 1930. 1929 was the big crash. People jumping out of high buildings to their death. Now we're in the Great Depression. And here comes this hymn that God has been working on for 250 years. And it's still with us today. It is my desire to sing the first verse over this congregation. And my desire is for my family to come up and sing it with me. We're not professional singers. And I love your praise band. You guys have got some really good stuff coming up off the stage. This is meant to be raw. This is meant to just be four people who love Jesus singing to you. We're not the Campbell family singers. We're not going to sing Doe a Deer or anything like it. But we want to sing this to you as an encouragement. You three come up with me. Our desire is that as you listen to the words, they'll bring encouragement and strength. As Katerina was writing this hymn, she started first telling her soul, be still. And then she started singing to to her soul, the Lord is on your side. Whether it's been in the recent past or it's coming in the near future or you're living it out right now. Many of us need to hear regularly. God's on your side. There are times when I think of my sin, my accuser gets in my face and says, you stupid moron, if you love Jesus, how could you do that jerk face? And I agree with him and I swim and I wallow around in that like somehow I can pay for my own sin. And there are times when the toast falls jelly side down. Every red light is bright red. Traffic happens. Headaches come. Rashes flare up. And I go, are you against me, God? And God says, no. If I were against you, (laughs) you'd be dead. There'd be a hole where you are right now. So if you think God is some cosmic deputy with lightning bolt guns in his hands ready to pounce you every time you step out of line, you have got an erroneous way of thinking. Your God is on your side. Bear with patience the cross of grief or pain. Leave to your God to order and provide. In every change, He faithful will remain. Awakened Christians pursue connection with God. What does connection with God look like? It's ceasefire. God is your impenetrable shelter. God is your unfailing strength. Recognize God as God 
And the result will be you'll have a life that is stable, healthy, and competent. I love meeting Christians who seem to have it all together. And they do because they're headed in the right direction. And they don't have it all together because as I get to know them, they go, oh, if you only knew. And some of them pull back the curtain and let me see just how God's grace fills gaps. What gaps in our lives do we need to beg God this morning to fill?